The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Solid 7 Podcast is brought to you by Hit and Skins. Hit and Skins is Central Florida's premier custom branding company, offering high-quality custom apparel, design, signage, vehicle wraps, and much more. With over 15 years of experience, they have the expertise to take your project from concept to finished product. And their exceptional service and attention to detail mean your project will turn out just like you imagined or better. Visit hittenskins.com today. That's H-I-T-T-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. And let them get to work on the branding you deserve. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages, too. Solid 7 Podcast. We are a better than average podcast. We're not Seinfeld. We're not a show about nothing, but neither are we a show about any one thing. Each week, I get together with a guest and we talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us. And this week, I'm happy to uh, welcome my my good buddy, former law enforcement nerd of all kinds, of all kinds. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, and uh, a... Uh, I don't even know what all of your your accolades to go with. I mean, most recently, uh, he works for a company that shall not be named, uh, mostly, you know, to protect your reputation because it's embarrassing. And and this is one of those where I try and keep up with what you you do for a living now. But correct to say you're working in like uh, machine learning and fraud prevention these days? Yeah. Yeah, I work with uh, computers that are slightly more complicated than typewriters, but only just. All right, punch card type stuff. I understand. I've seen, um, yeah. I've seen. Uh, what was it? I was going to say Beautiful Mind, but that's the wrong movie about a really smart person who's kind of crazy. Uh, imitation Game. So I know. I know. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alan Turing for you. So yeah, I'm not Alan Turing. And <laughs> when the movie is made about Colin, uh, that will also be uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as the lead for sure. <laughs> I so, would be honored, actually. Yeah. Uh, what's up, buddy? It's been a long time coming. I feel like I say that with a lot of guests, which like we have a lot of repeat guests, but then some people like there's some people that are on the list where it's just like from the jump. There's the wish list of guests, right? And there's been some of those. Yeah. We've we've crossed some names off the list, which has been cool. Uh, but just like that list of when I decided I was going to do a podcast, like oh, these are people who would be awesome to have on. Like you were on the list day one, and yet here we sit, you know, somewhere north of sixty weeks later finally getting around to it but 
it's cause it's been crazy times. Yeah. No, it has been. So yeah. Um, I remember when you were kicking the, the idea of the podcast was vestigial, right? So it was just, it was just this, this little, you know, amoeba in the ocean saying, maybe I'll uh, walk on dry land one day. And you know, that was, that was what the podcast was. And we were like, yeah, it'd be fun. We'll do it. And, uh, it was never a, a thing that we weren't going to do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's certainly taken off. I mean, you have crossed off some yeah. pretty cool. No, names. I've gone from that amoeba to, um, like the really fat tadpole that has like <laughs> half its back legs, but the puddles drying up. Uh, that's, that's the, the current level. I think you're a young Kermit stage where like you don't have the snark or the comedic timing, but you're still pretty adorable and people are going to, they're, they're going to be interested in you. I don't know if I'm so. offended or flattered, but I do know that it's not easy being, <laughs> it's not easy being green. So, well, before we get too <laughs> yeah. far, f- full disclosure, and this is my failure. We had to bump up uh, a little earlier in the recording schedule, uh, actually to uh, accommodate uh, an, an unannounced meeting for me that was out of my control. Uh, and then, of course, I'm going to go do another uh, Go Ruck Star Horse uh, in a couple of days. So we just really uh, had to bump up by a couple of days, which precluded me from being the, the proper podcast host that I am uh, and making sure that you were going to have a Jocko Go in hand. So my apologies. I was going to drop ship one to your house. That didn't happen. Colin is Jocko Go list. So do not get your hopes up for this episode. I, however, uh, am always prepared here in the, in the home studio with an ice cold Jocko go, which I will, I will toast to your honor, Colin. So I actually have, believe it or not, my sample pack of Jocko discipline. Okay. Some, uh, little, yeah. Okay. So, so little, you're on the, you're little on. sample pack of the, uh, the, uh, the, the pills. Yeah. You're on the path. Size, two capsules. So, so, uh, Jocko go discipline. I'm, I'm known um, to devolve into many Jocko commercials, which I really need to cut down now that I'm, I'm doing the actual, it's not a commercial. Like we're I'm not sponsored, uh, by origin or Jocko fuel, but we are an ambassador. So that's, that's kind of what that, yeah. uh, that upfront, uh, read is, but I will say like that, what you have is how it, how it started. It started as, uh, a sub like a cognitive supplement and kind of yeah. uh, morphed into uh, the the Jocko Go in the cans. That's energy drink and cognitive supplement and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. so you're on, you're on the path. So we're good to go. There there is hope for the podcast. <laughs> I'm in the club once again, dude. It really is like it's it's hard to a like know what to share of your ac- accolades. Like um, Colin is the poster child for. Um, well, I was going to say poster child for Jack of all trades and master of none, but Colin's more Jack of all <laughs> trades and master of many. Um, of so, sure. yeah, I mean, of a few. you yeah. have what I think, and you would, you would know better than me because you've, you've had to do some things in this capacity before. I think there's, there's probably several areas in which you would be qualified to testify as an expert in a court of law. Sef- yeah, there's several, actually two. There's several. Two. Yeah, yeah. There's more than yeah. Th- th- there's multiple in which I am a, a legal expert witness in a in a court of law. Yeah, uh, and to it, have testified as an expert witness in court of law, and yeah. it's varied and weird stuff. Um, yeah, uh, you're you're both yeah. you're like you're a, a, a legit audiophile, and I don't even know. I was trying to think of like a a character in the common lexicon that I could give people as a reference if you don't know audiophile. Uh, but, but Colin is the person like when you're, when you're in an electronic store, if those still exist where you're at and when you see some, some really overpriced speaker cables, 
Colin is not the person who would buy those cables. And I'll tell you why. Because those cables in that big box store aren't good enough for him. He's going to get more expensive cables from someone in some place you've never heard of and never will hear of because it will add some to you and to me indistinguishable aspect to the sound that he is listening to or so he would have you and his poor sweet wife believe. Um, so, uh, but be, be beyond that. So Colin's the kind of guy like his, his, you know, home sounds going to knock your socks off. Right. Colin's the guy where if you're listening to his home sound system, you feel like you're sitting in, uh, the, the Sydney opera house, you're sitting inside the studio, Abbey road, you're sitting in radio city music hall, you're sitting in the music. So he is that on a private level. Uh, but also an, an expert in the area of like professional audio and video, not so much, uh, production and editing, though I think that you kind of have that in your repertoire, uh, but yeah. but more analyzing that kind of thing. Um, Colin's an, an expert in like motor oil. <laughs> That's one of my my favorite random ones. Like just thoroughly geeks out on motor oil, on filters, on like particles, how it breaks down, when it breaks down you know, this filter's got this many folds and let's through this size microns. Um, I got to believe you thoroughly geeked out on masks for COVID. Like we haven't been around each other for the oh, past for couple sure. of years because you abandoned me uh, for God, for God's country, <laughs> for God's country. Fair enough. Um, yeah. But I, I can just imagine that your, your oil filter knowledge immediately transferred over uh, to, to face masks and the like. Um, <laughs> uh, and this has been one of, one of, uh, you know, as a friend, as a friend, one of the more infuriating ones, uh, a, a ballistics expert. I would say, Terminal ballistics. Yeah. Terminal ballistics. So, yeah. you know, like bullets and the like and uh, and ammunition because ammunition, like the bullets, just the projectile, folks. So there's a casing yeah. and there's gunpowder. There's all kinds of things that go into that. And uh, and then how those those bullets uh, interact with uh, other other mediums, rather that's flesh or drywall or, or concrete or, or whatever, a legit expert. And I say that's one of the ones that's been more annoying because here's what happens. You're like, uh, like, Hey, Colin, old buddy, old pal, uh, I need to, need to pick up some, some new ammunition for X, X firearm, whatever it is. Oh, get this yeah. one, get this one. It's the best thing. Here's, here's where you can get it. Here's the best price. Super convenient. Like you don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to question it. He'll explain to you why it's the best if you want to hear it. But do you really? Like you don't need to know. Like <laughs> you really don't let care. Colin know. <laughs> let Colin know. Um, so okay, Roger that, buddy. I, I bought it. I bought. I, I bought all of it. I could get my hands on. Two weeks later, yeah, I was just uh, just out of the range running running some of that through through that firearm that you su- suggested. Thanks for the awesome suggestion. Oh, you're you're still shooting that stuff. That is outdated garbage. You throw it, you take it, you throw it in the trash right now. That's what the poor do. <laughs> Here's what you now I'm being I'm being hyperbolic, but it's not it's not far off. But we would all benefit in in many areas of the things that Colin geeks out on because Colin is an early adopter. He does his research, but uh, once something better is out, Colin can no longer stand the thing he owns that does not measure up to that better thing. And uh, which means that all of us who are in Colin's circle, his sphere, sphere of influence, get to buy all those still pretty great things at a steep discount. So my apologies uh, to your wife, but it works out well for me. 
and uh, and the rest of our friends. But uh, a big now, yeah. there's a, a term for this that I that I always forget. But you're you're real big on like mechanical watches. I love it's hor- horology. Yeah, and so <laughs> I know you don't have to take your kids and plug their ears. It's a real word. Horology sounds is a about right. Study of watches and appreciation of watches and timepieces. Uh, now I'm an Omega man um, specifically. Kevin, so gosh, I love Omega. Uh, what's his name, Kevin? The guy that's really good friends with Tim Ferriss. Uh, uh, I can't remember his last name. Me neither, and it's a shame. I I really enjoy the podcast that they the random show that they do together randomly. They'll drop a couple of them a year. It's on no set schedule, just whenever they can hang out and do it. But he's he's big into uh, mechanical watches, and he's got a, a, a pretty popular app. It's it, say the name right for me. Is it is it Hodinky? Hodinky, Fratello, Watchfinder. There yeah. are a couple different of those bigger. Some of them are news aggregator apps. Hodinky um, started as kind of like the car and driver for watches. So but for mechanical watches. But there's something that that strange word has to do with mechanical watches, isn't there? Or am I imagining that? Uh, horology. Oh, wow, I'm going to fail this pop quiz. Um, well, not <laughs> horology, but ho- there, there's, there's something tied to like Hodinky isn't just a made up word. You know what? I honestly, I've heard that, and I honestly don't know. So I've heard that assertion before that there's actually some type of almost mechanical reference to it, um, but uh, but I don't know what that thing is. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not too a common part of a of a of a mechanical watch like a, a gear train or escapement yeah. uh, or something like that. Um, so, I but th- yeah, no, but yeah. I've I've heard that before. So, so they certainly do cool things with their logo. Yeah. So. Um... Trying to think of, of what I'm missing. Not not just a, a, a ballistics or a terminal ballistics expert, but uh, justifiably, or I think arguably, a, a firearms expert, um, both in uh, like care and maintenance and uh, putting them to <laughs> to use. Uh, what what am I? Yeah, I built a few a few AR-15s and a few Glocks. <sighs> so, and I've been able to learn from uh, some pretty uh, pretty cool people. Uh, one of whom is not around anymore. Uh, if you if you ever frequent uh, m4carbine.net, uh, he used to go. He was one of the moderators, and he used to go into the mo- a moniker Iraq guns. And his name was Will Larson, and he was a master AR-15 armorer and uh, <clears throat> in combat, actually as a contractor. And uh, anyway, I learned a lot of stuff from Will, and he passed away suddenly oh, without warning a, a few years back. Um, but fantastic guy. Uh, didn't tolerate fools. So, and I was fortunate enough that when I, uh, I was able to interact with him a lot, uh, privately and in public, uh, on the forums and just, I was smart enough to shut up. <laughs> he would start yeah, teaching me enough. stuff. So yeah. If yeah. you know, listeners, if you're, if you're not into firearms and, and that's fine, or you're, you're not into, to long guns or, or the AR platform, that's fine as well. But if you are, if you ever get into them, there's a, a couple of, of big well-known websites that are, you know, are, are centered around, uh, the AR platform. There's a AR cleverly named AR15.com, and then uh, and then M4, and uh, pretty much everybody that participates in either one has strong feelings about which one is better. Uh, Colin's <laughs> feelings on these things are, of course, the correct ones. Of course, the the uh, the correct ones. Um, but uh, it, it's it's like everything. I it, you know it's it's you know Cubs and Red Sox fans. I don't know. It's it's whatever. So. You know, at this stage in the game, I think it's super important to unite, uh, uh, you know, because I, I would be people from, you know, various different forms or whatever. So that kind of petty tribalism, uh, when it's expressed online, yeah, it's still pretty petty. Um, 
but uh but you know in this in this day and age uh 2022 i think it's important to uh, to align with each other and and at least understand that we're you know we may not play for the same team with but we're in the same league and the league is in danger so we need to uh, we need to band together and understand uh on what our core values are and kind of get with that as opposed to arguing my Daniel defense or it'll wipe the floor with your BCM or my LNT is going to smash your Noveski's face. And that doesn't, these really are all these, for the listeners. These are all brands of rifle makers that he's, he's spouting off right now. And everybody, if you ask yeah. anybody, Hey, what rifle should I buy? Or what handgun should I, I buy? You're very rarely going to get just a, a logical, rational answer, as is the case with a lot of things in life. You're really going to get their personal preferences. Um, yeah. I, of course, like to think that that my answer to particularly the handgun question is a little more uh, dispassionate and, and well thought out. And my my uh, my recommendation is not my own. It's me parroting Colin, and it really tends to focus more around the caliber than, than anything else. And other than that, find something that's that's modern and well-known for being reliable and that feels good in your hand and you're good to go. So, Yeah, I mean, these are the good old days. No, but it's true. And I mean, I, I you know, I... Um... Uh, I've owned a lot of different high quality brands and um, I've been very fortunate to put high round counts on, on several of them. Um, you know, and that's that for me, that's been the, uh, the resound. I, when you listen to people who stack a lot of rounds on guns, so whether it's Pat Rogers, rest in peace uh, or like Aaron Cowan or any number of, you know, Kyle DeFore, any number of, uh, you know, Pat McNamara, you pick, right? You know, any number of good quality trainers that just just have massive round counts. They are constantly dry firing and they're constantly refining their skills and their craft and becoming better. Like that's, you know, you look at some people like that and you're like, how do you get better? Uh, but they do. They they yeah. constantly are, get, are improving. And uh, you look at people like that and it's not – you know, no offense to a brand like Caltech, but it's not uh, uh, brands like that that they're using for their, you know, for their primary selections for their arms. So I, I, I know you and I both tend to echo. We both have decent round counts under our belts, and we tend to echo and, and align with people who also have had much higher round counts. Pay attention to that, and 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 you know, statistics. You know, quantity has a quality all of its own in terms of statistical analysis, which is another thing I do at my day job now. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at somebody who shot five pistols, 5,000 rounds each, you saw five pistols with 5,000 rounds each. But if you're looking at pistols that are, say, widely deployed in domestic U.S. law enforcement, and there's, you know, 300,000 of these pistols, and you're talking millions of rounds every year that get poured through them, now you're talking about a significant slice, and you can get a really good idea of, of what, you know, parts replacement schedules, spring replacement, barrel life. Um, even the factory QC rate, you know, I mean, they're, these are made by people on machines and, you know, so there's an error rate with, with no matter, you know, Glocks, I love you and I love Glocks and Glocks are great, but you know, there's a, an ad and I don't know if they still use it, but they used to, they call themselves perfection or whatever. No one's perfect. Um, you and I, both we've got a mutual friend that, that brought a, I can't remember what the caliber was. It was likely nine millimeter, bought a, a brand new Glock, went out to fire at the range. First round, the round fires fine because when you pull the trigger on the Glock, it fires, uh, and uh, the the uh, slide recoils and then slides right off the front of the gun, <laughs> just right yeah. off the <laughs> right off the rails. Not supposed to do that. Highly, highly, highly uncommon. Um, Collins right Glocks just work. Um, 
it's been proven over and over and over again. They're not the gun for everybody. And there's some legit there's some legit knocks against them. There's some things that you can say, mm-hmm. I don't like this and, and you can be right. And that's okay. Some people don't like the ergonomics. Some people don't like the trigger. Yeah. Uh, some people don't like the, the sites and you shouldn't because the factory sites suck and you should swap them out anyways. Um, and so <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I kind of <laughs> debated cause I, you know, I got, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, your friends with him as well. Uh, our, our buddy Jason Alvarado on last week. Yeah. And uh, I tried to lighten the mood a little bit leading in with, with Obi-Wan, but then it really devolved into, uh, you know, what's gone down in, in Texas and what's going on, you know, in, in our country, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just kind of ongoing at large and, and, you know, what some of our, our frustrations and thoughts are on those things. So, you know, coming fresh off of that, it's on one hand, I'm hesitant, just like there's, there's a lot of, uh, we, you know, as we talked about, there's a lot of fun things for you and I to cover tonight. Um, and yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to, to follow that up with, an, you know, Let's do oh, Solid 7 talking about firearms again. And and that's going to tune out a, a certain percentage of people. And hopefully that's not you. If, if that's not normally your bag, um, you know, I would say maybe stick around. Hey, that's not how we're going to spend the rest of the episode. But also, uh, you know, I do think, um, you know, you're going to hear a more or more thoughtful um, and informed opinion on those things, uh, particularly, with, you know, with, with Colin on the podcast. Uh, and at least how I feel like I try to approach the subject, then then maybe you're going to get elsewhere. So, you know, I'm not just uh, rah rah, you know, at my guns. Like I'm I'm not just that. It is more thoughtful than that. And I don't think that everybody who doesn't want to own a gun or is afraid of guns, or even maybe as you sit there right now with your experience and your knowledge set, think why would anybody want to own one and no one should be allowed to own one. I don't I don't think you're evil or bad. I think you're you know, sure. uh, you know, entirely possible. Just just misinformed and. Uh, you know, I think certain knowledge and experiences could could change your mind, and and maybe not, and that's okay too. I, I, I I'm okay with disagreeing with somebody on this topic. Um, I've got close friends, close friends uh, that I disagree with uh, on this, and that's okay. So, um, you know, I just won't vote for them for office. That's all. I'll go to dinner with them. I just yeah. won't vote for them for office. So that's all. But I do think it's it's worth hitting on in that it's still in the news. There's still some crazy things coming out. I think even. Uh, as I was coming home today, I think I think I saw a notification pop up on my phone of a of a shooting somewhere else today. And of course, you know better than most, uh, you know, with your background, uh, folks. There's there's shootings everywhere, every day, um, yeah. and, and not just in America. It's it's this is not an America only problem. Um, no, there's a mass shooting in Germany uh, in proximity to the Uvalde shooting that got zero coverage because guns are uh, large, very heavily restricted there. Yeah. So, you know, that's impossible, right? That can't happen. Yeah. Um, and where are we? Yeah, at? I mean, it, Dennis Prager talked about something, and yeah. I believe it was in a short video yesterday. Uh, and, Kale, you know Dennis Prager. It's yeah. Prager U, Prager University. And he was he just a quick dissection of the statistics, as he is wont to do uh, from time to time. And he basically showed that, you know, gun ownership has not uh, rapidly increased as a share of population from the forties and fifties. Uh, it has increased, but school shootings, uh, have gone up. Um, and his, uh, which obviously are tragic whenever and wherever they happen. Uh, just like, uh, you know, when, you know, when drunk drivers, uh, you know, kill people, which, uh, when I was on uh, patrol, I I did uh, five years on a, a road patrol for a local law enforcement agency. Uh, in a southeastern United, uh, one of the states in the southeast, in the U.S., <clears throat> and um, and and I was just a, 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 a no rank, you know. I, I loved it. I mean, it was it was road patrol. I was very fortunate to have some amazing people with whom I worked. 
Um, but yeah, I saw that stuff all the time, all the time. And you know, it was a large metropolitan area. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that all the time. Um, so that's a tragedy. Uh, you know, no one tries to take my driver's license away when you drive drunk, right? You know, because I didn't, I have, a, I have personal agency. So I take issue in law enforcement. And this goes back to like predating uh, British common law is the, the concept of collective responsibility, right? Which is uh, which is a fairly new and it, it is. There's no other way to say it. it's a Marxist concept, uh, and that would be Karl Marx. And that would be communism. So Marxism and communism are the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so you're in this situation where you're you're trying to project uh, culpability onto other people that don't have that agency. They don't have they didn't have anything to do with that decision making matrix. I wasn't even in a position to interfere with any of that stuff. Uh, to prevent it, to stop it, to intervene, um, you know, so, but why does my driver's license, uh, why, why am I in timeout? Because some guy over here decided to down a 24 pack and then go driving in his, you know, in his, uh, you know, Chevy pickup, so right? The, you know, the, so ca- why? the counter argument that gets, and, and I, I want to try and do the other side's uh, justice, right? I, I don't want to just act mm-hmm. um, like there's no merit to the thing or, or no reason behind the things they say. Right. I, I don't think they hold water, yeah. but I understand I don't want to act like it's ridiculous to get there or think those things or or like they're they're dumb or crazy. Cause I think that's part of where we can't find middle ground in this conversation. Right. So the the counterpoint that you hear to that is, well, cars weren't designed for the sole people purpose of killing people. And uh, and, see, and, people, and if we you can't uh, and, you know if we you can't attest to what a car was designed for. See, that's the thing. You know, a car is an an animate object, it doesn't have cognition. Uh, it doesn't have its own will. So a car was actually designed to do whatever you told it to do. So uh, that car could be on a racetrack. It could be on a farm. So Right, uh, but that's know, the, the, a, that's I, I agree with you 100%. I get where you're coming from. I know. Um, but that's also a very robotic, very Sheldon, uh, very letter of the law answer. And the reality is that if we're being – because I, I, this is one thing I, I am big on uh, on on this podcast is we're going to be intellectually honest, right? So I, I get this, I get the strengths and the merit of that point. But also, um, you and I can both sit here with a combined IQ that's probably it's, – it's up there. Okay, we'll sit well, – it's, it's up there. It's, it's up there. Right? False humility is a mental um, disease. It's not, it's not a low it, number. But, but, <laughs> so am I an automobile engineer? No. Am I a, am I a historian? I'm a fan, but no. But I am a thinker, and you and I can both look at every automobile that's ever rolled down the road, uh, you know, with four wheels or two or, or three or whatever, the occasional six, maybe 18. And we understand that the intended purpose for that thing was to move people, products, or things from point A to point B mm-hmm. as efficiently and safely as possible. That's the intended purpose. You and I both know that. Can it result in yeah. death? Yes. Can it, uh, you know... Can it be used as as a weapon? Can it be used for harm intentionally? Sure, um, but we, you and I both know that's not the intended purpose of the design. So I think there's more merit to to countering the the suggestion, the implication there that uh, firearms, regardless of the type, uh, obviously the AR is going to be villainized right now, as it has been for decades now. Um, yeah. But you know, the I think it's it's more important to to counter the point of. They're only designed to take life of, of the AR uh, right now. The, the, you know, the refrain is that they're only designed to take human life, you know? So no, that's not true. Yeah. Well, what's, what's the counter to that though, then I, um, I agree, but well, I want to hear your informed take. It, 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 
speaking for Gene Stoner, who I have a uh, does his his patent for the AR is laser etched on a plaque on my wall, um, given to by a dear friend of both of ours. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, talking about imputing, imputing again, we come back to imputing purposes and that it's impossible to divorce that conversation from assigning some type of cognitive attributes to an inanimate object. On top of that, we all know what happens when firearms uh, and the the natural ability of of humans is removed from the from them uh, to protect themselves in violent encounters. And it's absolutely mass genocide is what happens every time. So uh, you know, pick your half dozen countries uh, throughout the um, uh, throughout the twentieth uh, uh, century alone, and uh, what happens? What predates mass genocide? The Holodomor, which most of you don't know about, and Google it. And you should be ashamed of yourselves if you don't. H o l o d o m o r, Google it, and and then feel like a knucklehead for not knowing what it is. The Holocaust, obviously. Um, for what, for the, uh, for the record, Mount. listeners, I'll join you in that knucklehead column. So uh, I'll I'll join you in. Uh, <laughs> you should Google it. Um, I don't Google like, anymore. I Bing. I Bing, buddy. <laughs> I'm trying to get those Microsoft <laughs> points. I want free Amazon gift cards. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the Holodomor is a massive humanitarian tragedy, bigger, as big as or bigger than the Holocaust. I'm glad you cleared, cleared it up because for I, for a minute I was thinking it was just another watch website. So I'm I'm glad yeah. that you specified. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's separate from horology. Yeah. But you know, look at what Chairman Mao does. Look what Stalin and Lenin did, and a precursor for all of those different tragedies and smaller ones as well. I'm leaving out a bunch of these. Uh, a precursor for all of those, a necessary precursor uh, for starving them to death, for disappearing them, for murdering them, is the removal of those uh, that fundamental ability to protect yourself from your own government, and that's the fact. So, students of history, you, I, and this is where I divorce my this is where I divorce myself from. I, I don't impute negative intent to anybody who holds a, an opposing belief, but you can't be a student of history and arrive at a different conclusion other than when you start analyzing the restriction of gun rights. And, and on top of that, I mean, you know, gun rights uh, in the United States were relatively unfettered till after the Civil War, relatively. Yeah. Okay, all of the first original uh, gun control laws were a hundred percent racist Jim Crow gun control laws. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. of them. Well, so and even there at is that, a dirty, you know, filthy underbelly of gun control that it was squarely aimed at low-income blacks in the South. Yeah. That and again, Maj Teray uh, with Black Guns Matter talks about this extensively. He has thoroughly researched it. He might have written a book, but if he hasn't, he's had several long-form discussions about this, fully cited. And there's just again, there's real, there's no. There's no, I mean, that's, that's what it comes out of. So when you look at gun control and all of the states, the first gun control laws were all deeply racist. Yeah. So on top of that, there's that. So there's that second undercurrent of, first of all, you don't want to get killed by your own government. And it's pretty pompous to think that your government is not going to be some type of threat to you. Um, that history doesn't support that at all. Well, and that's uh, going back I, thousands of years. Here, here's the problem, right? It's, it's, you got to be real intentional about contextualizing that, right? Because you you've only got your uh your your life experience unless you intentionally uh, like i think it's Ryan Holiday that that quotes somebody regularly talking about like you time travel is possible 
read read books, right? Like that's how I can talk yeah, to the, yeah. the great people of the past, right? And so if you want knowledge beyond your lived experience, you've you've got to go out and get it. You've got to talk to people, you've got to read, you've you've got to you've got to watch stuff. And so but you know, we, we forget, we forget, well, actually I, I, we don't, I don't even know that we have a common knowledge of it is that as a country, we're babies as a, as a country, we're babies. We're, we're, oh, an, sure. we're, an, we're an absolutely uh, untried experiment in human, in self-governance in human history. Um, mm-hmm. Others, others have tried since we did it and, but still no one's done it quite like we did, um, which is a testament to the fact that as much of our, our freedom persists as it does, uh, you know, some 250 odd years later, um, you know, the, the human, the, 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 the trend over time, the, the story, the arc of history, uh, has not been, um, self-governance has not been freedom, has not been liberty. Um, there is this, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, well, I would, yeah, I would say flaw really in, in our humanity where, unless you're very intentional about it, I think we trend towards anarchy i think we trend towards um despotism i think and so you and so you just you just see this and there's there's an argument to that being the natural order of the universe whether you believe in god or not you just want to look at it scientifically um the the universe doesn't go from order from chaos to order it goes from order to chaos the universe is expanding oh, sure. you leave a room long enough it's not just going to sit there and stay clean it's going to get dusty it's going to break down like um what's well, a law of thermodynamics i mean the law of entropy yeah absolutely and so it's what what really is crazy isn't um uh, it, it, it's that our freedom as much of our freedom has lasted as long as it is it's shocking that we're not at a worse point than we are now which just goes to show how how smart the founders were how long it's taken uh, those who who would have people be ruled, those who who would violate freedoms and violate liberty, how long it's taken them to whittle it down here really really is impressive, because uh, they, yeah. they they don't they don't stop and and they don't give up, um, but it's uh, you know backtracking a little bit to to you know what headed us down this direction, I think it is a little tougher. Um, it, it it's just as simple. I think well no it's not it's it's tougher to look at. Even as a thinking person, even as an intelligent person, even as an educated person, the intent of design behind uh, a firearm, because you can say it, it's t- you you look obviously it, it's the set mechanism, right? Obviously, it's designed to do this thing, but it's very very hard to judge what the intended outcome of that thing was. So even even if a firearm. Uh, that's designed, say, specifically for over over the the whole arc of, of firearms existence or weapons, for that matter, to look at um, the intent behind the design, even if it's for a military, even if it's for law enforcement. Um, you can say, "Oh, that's designed to kill people." Well, n- no, no, it's it's meant to stop people. It's meant to stop. It, it's meant to stop someone else's will that might result in their death. It might not. There's there are actually weapons that have been designed and are still in use today that are, that are intended to wound, intentionally to wound and not to kill, because a wounded mm-hmm. person takes two or more people out of the fight because somebody's going going to stop to help them. But there, you also though then can't impute motive to that intention to stop that person. So you can say the the intended purpose is to, to stop another living being, whatever that is, right? That, like yeah. if you want to look at a quote-unquote hunting rifle, again, 
what makes it a hunting rifle. Um, but, uh, you know, like that, yeah. the intent is to, to stop a living being now with, with hunting in particular, obviously the goal is to kill. So really, um, they kind of get it backwards in that more defensive firearms actually don't have that same obvious intent to kill that the, the hunting oriented firearms that they say, Oh, you can keep those. We don't want those. They don't mean that. Um, it, it's, it's less, it's, it's more obscure what the intended purpose is. But so then even if the end result is death, um, you can't necessarily impute negative motive to that. So the same, well, of course the, not. the same fire. I mean, their entire argument is a utopian pearl clutching, uh, exercise is really what it is. They're aghast that you would ever need to take someone else's life. How dare you? Uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, one of my, uh, uh, a, a person who I know, a couple people actually who I know closely, uh, were ones that exchanged gunfire with the uh, the shooter at Pulse. Um, yeah. And um, uh, I was not there during the incident. So let's just make that very clear. Uh, wish I was, but I wasn't. Uh, and that's not some type of macho thing. Uh, it's just a put me in coach. You know, you train for stuff like that and you want to make a difference. I'm not trying to act like I'm Rambo. I'm certainly not. Um, but I, I personally know two different people who traded rounds with that guy. Uh, and uh, they were happy to and they were proud to. And I know uh, one of those two people who I personally know, uh, 100% was the one that ended him. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, the this utopian uh assertion that you know well violence is never necessary uh you were you got to be the same people that send your kid to school and tell them to just let other bullies beat them up and don't defend themselves that's not really reflective of the world that we live in and it's also that pearl clutching and shock that oh you might never some people need to get shot because they're out to do evil stuff like the 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 pulse shooter we could dive into this just very briefly because it's pertinent um prior to <clears throat> and I have inside knowledge uh, uh, of the, the Pulse incident. So prior to him arriving at the Pulse nightclub, which, by the way, I'll just let this out there. Uh, the Dunkin' Donuts across the street from Pulse on the same side of Orange Avenue. I used to go to that multiple times. Such a cliche. Such a cliche, dude. I mean, it wasn't in uniform, but I would get a donut and coffee. Didn't care. Uh, so I know I, I am intimately familiar with the the, the surroundings there. And and um, so anyway, you know, it was during the day. There's nothing going on there. But uh, um, prior to arriving at Pulse, the shooter did a multiple laps of the downtown Disney, Disney Springs, same thing, uh, parking lot. Uh, for 45 minutes, he drove, and this is public knowledge, so I'm not like dumping this out there. This came out in the trial. Um, but for 45 minutes, he drove around that parking lot and elected not to do Jack there. Well, why? Right? Was it, was it Mickey looking all intimidating in his felt suit? Was it Donald talking sternly to him and wagging his fingers and spraying his face with spit? No, it was probably the several dozen uh, sheriff's deputies uh, that are present there every night, every night and every day in mass, organized and and in plain clothes uh, that steadfastly and vigilantly protect that prop all of the property, not just Disney Springs. But that's what he likely encountered. It's we know that's what he encountered because the, the, we know the, the units that were there. So why would so what he chose was a soft target. 
he elected to choose the soft underbelly, which he had also reconnoitered uh, on, on prior uh, prior dates. <clears throat> and then he drove all the way up directly to Pulse. He didn't bounce around to various different clubs or whatever. Joe's drove directly there, parked, did the deed. So, so when you start having that honest discussion of evil exists, it always has. It goes back to Cain and Abel. Um, this is not a recent development in the history of humanity. <laughs> Go back to, you know, if you, you want to look into the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans and the Egyptians and, I mean, you know, Sumerians, you, you pick, you, you pick, but, but pick your civilization. And violence has been an ever-present part of, of civilization since the dawn of man. So when you start looking at these situations, you find out how that, A, bad guys exist, okay, and they've always existed. Um, uh, bad. I mean, uh, there are places that bad guys don't shoot up, right? For instance, the schools that senators' kids go to, the schools that the Bush daughters go to, right? Because they're covered in guns and people who know how to use them, right? If Joe Biden's kids went to Uvalde, nothing would have happened because it would have been surrounded by guns. So we, we use we use uh, guns are employed to protect armored cars, to protect banks, to protect treasuries, to protect rich people's schools. I'm not picking on rich people. I'm saying the wealthy elite, right? In, in every country, even in countries in Switzerland and the UK, where they're banned for the public, still are allowed to use them to protect those uh, wealthy elites. So we know what works in terms of you know, stopping this type and disincentivizing this type of violence. Like how many people rob a gun show? Guns everywhere. If the density of guns were a problem, I could tell you I'm in Texas now. Um, uh, Texas would just explode. Okay. And, and, and erupting in violence. But Texas has more guns than most countries on this planet. I don't say that to, 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 you know, make light of it or make fun of it. But if you remove, for example, the top 10 metropolitan areas in the United States, which are all Democrat controlled large city centers, and the, all but one, if I remember correctly, have very harsh gun control laws. If you take them out, we're not even in the top 40 for gun crime in the world. Like, yeah, we might no, not be in the top 50, but I know we don't make the top 40. So, so if you so so you start looking at you know the 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 preponderance of guns and the presence of guns and all this other stuff like when you and I were in high school, dude, I had kids and so I I was I went to high school and I was in high school when Columbine occurred, so I'm kind of dating myself. <clears throat> but I had I had friends on the football team. Uh, uh, you're looking at a, an exceptionally mediocre player here, by the way, folks. <laughs> but uh, on the football team, as I you know as I was out there wasting my time on that field. Um, uh, I had friends that would keep like 30 odd six Browning ri bolt action rifles in the, the headache rack inside their truck, uh, just all day at school. It was not a thing. So we, we have, and Dennis Prager talked about this. We've got a cultural issue. We've got a mental health issue. Um, and people, uh, many people who have a problem, uh, with gun rights, um, they like to say things like, you know, this kid, you know, gun rights are the reason you know, this kid, well, you know, making stuff illegal, uh, you know, would, would seem to eliminate gun crime. It didn't do it in Australia. It hasn't done it in New Zealand with those restrictions they've put through. Uh, didn't do it in the UK. 
you pick. You pick the places yeah. where they have taken guns and greatly restricted them. It, it, it has not eliminated this. So, again, this go right. back to utopia, which well, Thomas Sowell talks and about, how dangerous it is. Yeah, and you've, you've covered a lot of ground there. And I, I think there's some some things were worth adding some some context to in there. One, and, and this is, is kind of the thought that I started earlier uh, with how just short, how short our experience is with government here in America, and and there and there's fault in the thought of, um, oh, our, our government would never do to us what those governments who disarmed their people would do. You, yeah, I, I'll even give you. You might be right right now. You might be right throughout the history of America, but the state of our government. Uh, the state of our elected leaders is not static. It's not a fixed point. Um, it changed. Yeah, well, try to tell somebody in the mid-1990s the Patriot Act getting passed in 2001. Try to explain to them how that mass, large-scale surveillance and, let's be honest, violation of our rights, our constitutional rights, clear and plain violations. Try to explain someone, Kale, in 1994 or five that the Patriot Act is going to get passed with an almost unanimous vote <laughs> this is, in both houses of Congress, right? This is Try to tell them that. No, just call you crazy. You're a Martian. Yeah, You're not a This is an aside, but I saw a little cartoon the other day uh, that was a, a woman in her kitchen in the 1950s that hears a weird click on her phone and says, oh, I, you know, I hope my phone hasn't been, been bugged. And the next cell is a woman in her kitchen in the 2020s that says, hey, bug, what's a great recipe for macaroni and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> obviously talking to her smart device in her kitchen. But so one, yeah. the, the state of our government right now is no guarantee that our state of government is going to stay that way. And I, I would tell you uh, even all, already where we're at now, uh, our government is uh, the most likely it's ever been to, to, to suppress freedoms. So uh, do I think yeah. this is one that's going to take your guns away uh, and then herd you into concentration cramps? Maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. Um, but to think that w our, our government would never be capable of that is just to be ignorant of human history. It, j it just is. So, so there's that. There's, there's also, you know, to go, to go, to go back to the point, and again, you, you covered a lot of ground there and, and touched on polls. And, been, and even if we look at, and we've, we've had Ed, who is a shared friend of ours, who made entry at polls on the mm -hmm. podcast here a couple of times. Ed's a, a good friend of the pod here. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, even if we look at U Uvalde, right, and we, and we go back to what's the intent of the firearm? Well, um, the, 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 the murderer, this, this crazy I don't, a kid, guy, whatever you want to call him. Gender um, dysmorphic individual. His, um, his, his firearm was, was used to murder, was used to kill, right? And so we, mm -hmm. we recognize, man, that's, that's bad. That's bad intent. But it was also a firearm that ended him. The firearm that was in the hands of the Border Patrol BORTAC agent that, that yep. took that kid out also took a life. It awful, also killed. Both of those firearms killed human beings, but they didn't both do the same thing, did they? Well, the Bible, the Bible actually draws a clear distinction between killing and murder. I mean, David, a man after his own heart, was ordered by God to kill wholesale. Well, you know, and you could try to say that's a New Testament, Old Testament thing. Part of it is, part of it isn't. But killing and murder are not the same thing. And I'm not advocating just blowing people away. Just make that clear. However, you've highlighted it though, right? You know, so what? What's the moral trajectory and and grounds for the Bortak agent? Right? Does this mean that he's no better, or does it mean that we're dealing with complex issues? And with complex decision-making trees by individuals 
and we're having to react them on an individual basis, right? You know, the board tech, board tech agent uh, runs in there to do his, I mean, the uh, the stones on that guy. I'd be good for him. I mean, I mean, what a hero. Okay, oh, yeah. I don't need to get say, but obviously, what a yeah. hero. No, we I mean, and, we, we uh, talk about uh, the, the yeah. concept of of a fatal funnel and and what a dangerous entry that was. Uh, some last oh, week, my but gosh. it's it's the nightmare scenario. I mean, he was, uh, yeah. I mean, everything that could go wrong and set you up for failure. Mm-hmm. He basically encountered and dealt with right. it. I mean, well, what a guy. And but so then again, uh, what, what's problematic, right, is so, you know, somebody who who looks at this, you know, on the opposite of the aisle of, of this thing from us looks at that and says, oh, well, if that kid couldn't have had that, if that kid didn't have that firearm, if he couldn't have gotten that firearm, if he couldn't have purchased that firearm, then all of those people are alive and that agent doesn't ha- – nobody has to get killed. The agent doesn't even have to kill him. He doesn't have to make entry because the di- kid didn't have the gun. And that's a, it's a great thought. I get it. But that only works with a legit magic wand. That only works if you can eliminate in one swoop instantaneously get rid of all the guns. Not all the privately owned guns, all the guns, not just all the guns yeah, in you'll America. Ne- you'll never get away with all, all the guns. You know, And this is it, – there's it, it a bifurcated uh, – so you're absolutely right, but there's a bifurcated issue here where – the the assertion that a all guns could be removed is active they act like that's anything but unicorn farts so b the the discussion by between again you and i both have friends that are just all over the political spectrum we love them very much um and that period end of end of paragraph um when we have these discussions the people with whom we are having these discussions in good faith that 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 uh, often would say vote for a candidate that is pro gun control or whatever they say stuff well we're not coming for your guns but the problem is you are all the people you vote for are coming for our guns look at what Justin Trudeau just did and everybody on the left I mean Beto says it uh, I watched a room with 5,000 people erupt when he one of the times that he said that and it was at the debate people it is a very popular notion with enormous and alarmingly uncomfortably large percentage of support amongst uh well people who want the racist cops to do all their shooting for them different discussion um (laughs) cops are racist and should be abolished but then they're the only ones who should have guns but there's a lot of people that support that so look at justin trudeau he went from banning ar-15s in 2020 to now today Today, he just banned, the day of this recording, just banned 9mm handguns. And I mean, I didn't read the bill, so I, I, don't, I don't know, or executive action, whatever it is. I know it's technically a pause. But it is, a, it is a, as with progressivism wholesale, it, it, there's, no, there's no backstop to it. There's no restriction to it. And it also assumes that we're going to do things like winning the war on drugs and winning the war on terror. Both of those went over spectacularly, I might add. So the war on drugs, you could never not get weed, ever. I mean, I can, before I was a cop, I knew where to get it. After I was a cop, you just learn all the places you could get it. Well, <laughs> you know, even, you know, but you're never going to outlaw it. We got 500 million guns in the United States alone. So pretending like even 100 years from now, well, I mean, look back far, look back farther than that. How'd prohibition go? <laughs> the only thing, Horribly. the only thing I mean, prohibition it, accomplished was creating the Kennedy dynasty. And, yeah, well, yeah, and, and the underlying, the underlying right? joke there, if you don't know that story, is uh, the the Kennedy dynasty, the Kennedy fortune, was built bootlegging. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Well, and it also gave the federal government an excuse to expand its coffers and its mandate to quote protect people from the problem it created. Right. So the expansion of the federal. Uh, law enforcement system and local law enforcement and the and you could argue the beginning of the militarization of same and the 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 
beginning of the end for the peace, the, the traditional peace officer, right? Uh, also started in that same time. And again, you know, gun control, first gun control laws, all racist. And I'll just say it by Democrats and Jim Crow South. Go look it up. Um, so those were written because the KKK, the, the, the militant arm of the Democrat Party, got really tired of getting blown away on people's lawns when they were trying to burn people's houses down and set up burning crosses in their yard. Kind of hard to do that when you're eating double up buck. Uh, on a one, two, three cadence from some dude who knows some sharecropper who knows how to use that thing from his front porch. Hard to victimize that person, right? So when when these gun control laws all got put into effect, they're never evenly applied ever, 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 ever. So that's just real. That's real world. This isn't again. It's not utopia, which is dangerous. Um, this is this is the real world. And what happens is when you look at these situations. So, again, you look at New York City now, you see all of these people getting just violently victimized uh, by people who, uh oh, and, and it's a, sorry, that's a Joe Biden joke. I'm whispering at you. Um, but you, you look at any of these big cities. So I spent some time in Seattle, that place uh, just just ate up with the crime. Uh, not something you would ever think of as a, a you know, a bastion of uh, firearms freedom, right? right. Well, and I, but, I, well, hang, I want to slow you down a little bit because I, I do want to take you there because I think that's a, a, an interesting. Hey, it's just a fun story, uh, your experiences there, and and it it tie, I think it's a nice dovetail uh, with with what we're talking about now. And and again, there's there's so much stuff to hit on here. I, I would love to hear uh, your take somewhat on the the law enforcement response to uh, Uvalde, but. Uh, you know, part of it is just, um, you know, whether, whether we're armed with firearms or not, Americans just aren't as well armed with knowledge as as we once were just at a base level in our country. Our understanding of, of history, our understanding of our system and government, our understanding of our rights has been intentionally whittled away for well over 100 years now, uh, oh, yeah. where, yeah. Uh, you know, back shortly after our founding, uh, as Alexis de Tocqueville made his way around America, one of the things he commented on that was so impressive and why he thought America would endure was because of the base knowledge of of government and our and our rights and how those things function and where those things come from that was in just the just the base level uh, of Americans, yeah. right? Not in it, not the in average a, man, yeah, woman. not in an aristocracy, not in uh, right. And so we we've lost that um, in in t- almost entirely. Uh, functionally, we have lost that that understanding entirely, and so we we run into problems like. Um, President Biden has said several times now, post-election, he he said this comment, and he's even said it recently, and he he uses this comment to make the case for, you know, the Second Amendment isn't absolute. You know, the First Amendment is not absolute. You can't yell fire, uh, in a in a crowded theater, and so he says, you know, even when the Second Amendment was passed, a private citizen couldn't go out and buy a cannon. They, Which is not true. They, they can't. Buy a they they, with they can't. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they can't. They could. They did. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, one, and, and, yeah, well, it, it again exposes his lack of understanding. I love the way you brought this up. It exposes his lack of understanding of natural rights. So the rights of the Constitution are natural rights. They were God given. They predate the Constitution. That's why they use the word enumerated. You know this. I'm yes. preaching the choir here. Well, they use the word enumerated because they were already extant. They were given to us by God. Um, well, and that thought was, was what, and and even again, like the, I, I don't let. Yes, I, you and I believe the, those rights come from God, but if you 
you can be an atheist and still understand that these rights are inherent. You you can observe. Oh, sure. You can they're inherent you, to the human condition. You can ob- observe these these rights in in nature, some form of them, right? Particularly the the right to self defense. Uh, you know, big cats have claws. <laughs> Uh, you know, armadillo, well, you armadillos can see the have shells. Of not having those rights, but I mean, but the problem that we don't understand where our rights derive from, Colin, is is a real big one because the problem is once you think they come from government, you believe government can take them away, and that's real convenient yeah. when you disagree with one of them. The problem is they don't stop at those. Uh, yeah. Right. And so one, one of the arguments, you know, as as our country was being founded, right, there was this whole Federalist, Anti-Federalist movement. You can read the Federalist. I have both of those papers. You can read the Federalist papers. I suggest papers. everybody read the Federalist uh, papers and the Anti-Federalist, Anti-Federalist papers. I bought both of National Archives. And so there, there was an argument, uh, right, about whether or not we even needed a Bill of Rights. Uh, and, and, the, oh, for sure. and the argument was. They didn't think we needed them. The, well, the argument was. The, the counter argument uh, for the anti-federalists, uh, or, or the count, uh, the the argument for the federalists, were um, we haven't given the federal, we're not giving the federal government enough power to trample our rights, and and yeah. literally this is in writing, and I wish I could remember ex- exactly who this, from, who this was from, but the response to that argument was, and yet they always do. Yes. And, yet yeah. the, and yet they, and yet they so always I, do. Yeah, and so, I'm familiar with that quote. And the problem it might be an is, quote. It's, it's that lack of awareness of where our rights derive from. Uh, not all of them. Uh, the term escapes me, right? But there, there are, there are, uh, you know, less important, more, more minor rights or the ability to to do things uh, that that do come out of, uh, you know. Uh, civil governance, there are, but we're talking about the the biggies, right? Our, our our natural rights here, the Bill of Rights and beyond, and even the Bill of Rights was intentional about saying um, this this list isn't exhaustive. Just yeah. because, and that was one of the concerns is that if we if we draft a Bill of Rights, if if we enact a Bill of Rights, um, that those are the only rights that are protective. That's why they were very specific about saying, you know, like there's there's lots of other rights. Uh, these aren't the only ones. Just because we've named these doesn't mean there's no protection for anything else. But I say that to say, um, Whoopi Goldberg was all over. We're we're recording on on a, on a two on a Wednesday. We're recording early, so Whoopi Goldberg was all over in the last day or two. Um, basically, we, you know, same thing as Beto in a different way. Um, but she she said, and I'm paraphrasing only slightly, and you can find this video easily. I, I don't think we need a link to or anything. But you don't get to have the AR-15s anymore. We're gonna vote that away. And you're not going to be allowed to have them anymore. And the problem is you can't vote away natural rights. You can't take that right away. The only thing you can do is violate that right. You can't take it away. The right exists whether you recognize it or not. If, if you vote to, quote, unquote, take it away, your vote is just to violate it. And whether you believe rights come from God, whether you believe they're inherent in nature and the way that the universe works, however, however that system came about, uh, you know, violating uh, the the natural way of things never works out well. Certainly not in the long term, ever. Yeah, ever. I mean, if you go back to to Paine and uh, to the founders, which wrote extensively about the Second Amendment, that's one of the lies the left likes to tell. Uh, they wrote extensively about it. They were crystal clear about what they meant. They weren't talking about deer hunting. They were talking about, uh, well, they were talking about what they just did, which is overthrowing the most powerful military and government that had yet existed on this blue orb. Told the king to pound sand, and they backed it up. Now, they had help from France. 
but uh, we don't talk th- about that's that. exactly the connotation and the and the the frame of reference that they had and they were talking about it but you have these you know the concept the, the concept of western rights is very simply you know this very simply your rights in where someone else's rights begin right you know so it dispels and there are many victimless crimes and they are all wrong and i'm i'm telling you you know i know you feel the same way i'm not a fan of the concept of a victimless crime um when it comes to criminal penalties um but you know your rights in where someone else so you can't visit harm on someone else right you know there's a uh Terry Tate, the office linebacker. There's a, a funny episode of uh, uh, those old Reebok commercials where he was. Uh, uh, There's a new HR manager in charge, and he had to walk up as opposed to tackling somebody. Which go look at these videos; they're great. But as opposed to tackling somebody, he had to walk up to someone and read from a cue card. Hello, Carl. Do I have permission to initiate physical contact with your person? And it sounded silly, but it reminded me of natural rights, right? You know, so you don't have that permission from someone else because they own their body, you own your body. It's it, physical agency. It is behavioral agency, and is that and, and again, independent individual agency are core to Western rights, not just United States rights, but the Western world that has made the entire world a better place. So understanding that those you know, and, and not to get too Ayn Randian, but she made a lot of good points. Uh, that that individual agency is really what everything comes down to, and when you start punishing people collectively. You begin to uh, assign, you assign this collective responsibility to to groups of people based on a the fact that they're in a group and b based on what other people have done, and that's super dangerous. And every and it's not a recent development in history, but when you look at all the times that has happened prior, um, uh, atrocities have come about. So. Um, well, Without diving and, too too far into that, yeah. so I, I I take a, and I know I'm taking a hard line here, um, but I uh, I feel very strong now. And again, you and I are both passionate about educating people about firearm safety, about the the informed and educated use. You and I are continuing to increase our knowledge quotient on that topic. We're always learning new things. We're always practicing to get better. We're always brushing up on things that we've already done. So this is not some, you know, not to make fun of rednecks, but this is not some redneck yeehaw, man, go get you shotgun. It's not that at all. So it is not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like responsibility, there, there's a responsibility that flows from this, right? Just like you, there's a responsibility to vote. When you vote, take it seriously. Right? I, I'm I'm the first to say, and I've said it on the podcast many times, that part of, of you know, uh, one of the driving forces in the, in the degradation of, of American society these days is that we're, we're great students of our rights and we're, we're dullards to our responsibilities. And it is a two-sided coin. There is no right that does not come with a balancing responsibility. There's, there's no such thing. Um, and so, uh, only for the coworkers at work that you hate. (laughs) No, you think about it, right? The people who get resented the most at work among others are, 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 one of the, those people types are the people, uh, you know, the concept of of authority and responsibility flowing from the same fountain is a very important, vital concept. What what generates more resentment than having, say, a supervisor who's got authority over you, but anytime something goes wrong, they're able to blame you and just dodge it, 
right? So that's exactly what you know, are talking about now. So it had the, the authority, uh, the personal agency is another way to say that the ability to make that decision and the responsibility for that decision are coupled. They're, they're, they're not divorceable. So the, the challenge is though, that I think this point leads to what, what, what I, I would admit is a logical point of, oh, then, then we should, we should be able to allow, we should be uh, uh, allowed to re- require uh, some level of of training and securing of firearms for anyone who wants to own one. Well, here's here's the problem with that line of thought. I think that anyone who is going to own a firearm should be able to properly secure that firearm. I think they should train in its care and use and be able to use it responsibly, or they shouldn't own it. But who gets to define the appropriate level? of training who gets to define what's secure uh, is that is that security situationally dependent um, where if someone lives in a home that only has adults and every adult in that house knows how to to safely uh, operate and handle uh, the, that firearm does it need to be mm-hmm. locked away in a safe or is it being locked up in the house enough if 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 somebody steals it and the doors weren't locked are they liable for that um, because the doors weren't locked, or isn't it reasonable to assume that someone shouldn't come and steal your things? Um, you know, if there are, are children in the house, there's so there's all kinds of scenarios where secure reasonably means different things. And so also, well, how do you enforce that? I mean, well, into law what, enforcement is at yeah. the end of a gun, my gun, uh, for, for, uh, several years there. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, government is force. So at the end of the day, when you, just like when somebody says, you know, people drive too fast in my neighborhood. So at, at the end of the day, you're going to have to establish a penalty system. If you want to make sure to say it's 15, people keep going 30. Okay, cool. So now you got to get bodies in there, and they're going to be cops, right? Or, or, or security, whatever. There's a system of fines in place. Well, what happens when someone doesn't pay the fine? You just ignore it? No. So, it, well, it's the way it's that's, you know, that's, that's not the way it's applied, though, Con. The way it's applied is that if you can't show proof of adequate training, you can't purchase a firearm. Well, that's how it's that's how they say it's applied. Again, progressives right. being unencumbered by continually pushing back on the rights that were afforded. This I've, you and I've watched it in our lifetimes, and you know, again, history didn't start when you're born, and you and I know that we're students of history and we love it. But you know, look at look at the progressive agenda. Yeah. I mean, they stay, and a lot of people don't realize. You know, look at the NRA. You and I are both supporters of and very large critics of uh, the NRA. But people don't realize that the NRA actually authored the biggest pieces of gun control legislation of the 20th century. They assisted in the uh, the 68 Gun Control Act, right? They helped yeah. write the NFA in 1934. Well, on, on top of, you know what I mean? they're a good boogeyman, but people don't understand how small the NRA is, both in membership oh, dude, and in tiny. financial means, particularly, particularly in the, you know, especially right now I've seen lists of, you know, X amount of dollars that this politician got from the NRA. Well, okay, A, over what period of time? And B, compared to how much from other lobbying organizations, there's such a small... Yeah, you have individual banks that exceed the entire budget of the NRA every year. 
just like single banks. We're not talking big tech. We're not talking Amazon or Google or your, you know, the alpha, you know, alphabet, which is Google, you know, Facebook, Meta. We're not talking about that. Individual regional banks exceed the lobbying spend of the entire NRA every single year. But <laughs> I want to go back to this point of, um, you know, okay, rights come with responsibility. So then it's reasonable to require training uh, for the ownership of firearms. I get your logic there. Again, I, I just think it's very problematic. And who gets to define the level of training? Do do I need to be do I need to be SWAT trained? Do I do I need to be able to to join a, a stack of of top tier operators and make entry into into a building? Like who gets to decide that level of training? And also, what if I cede you the point? What if I say, you know what? Fair fair enough. Um, we're not going to restrict who who can buy. There's not going to be any other standards. But uh, well, let's let's hash it out. Let's let's come to uh, an understanding on what is a, a reasonable level of, of training for someone to safely own and operate a firearm. Check. Now, now that we're done with that, let's go ahead and talk about determining the reasonable standard of knowledge that someone needs to have to be able to vote. Because I, I'm at far more danger from despotic governments. Despotic governments have taken far more lives far more lives over the arc of human history oh, yeah. than firearms have been because they were doing it long before firearms existed. So, okay, sure. You, you, you want to talk about that, whatever that reasonable requirement for the, the exercise of that natural right? Roger that. What's the test going to look like to be able to become a registered voter? What's the test going to look like to be able to drive? I mean, driving deaths alone, it used to be that drunk driving deaths alone outpaced all firearms-related deaths, including justifiable defensive shootings, justifiable police shootings, and, and, and so forth. All, 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 every person who died because of a gun, it used to be drunk driving alone outpace those uh the past couple of years uh drunk driving has begun to uh to to uh, those numbers we've been thankfully been able to drive them uh, uh to uh, frankly hold them stagnant and and gun crime has slightly exceeded those so uh let's talk about drivers well tests. but i think i think like I, none of you get to drive i want to cars i want to pause you because i think you you misspoke a little bit there and i want to be very clear on this uh because you said uh gun crime has uh slightly outpaced that. And I don't think that's accurate. I think gun deaths have, but not all gun deaths are from crime. Well, good point. Yeah. A third of all gun deaths are, are, are uh, single person attended suicides. So, which is not, that's not crime. So good point. And no, no, then well, a, well accepted. another portion then of course is, are, are things like gang violence and another portion are justified defensive shootings, whether those are private or law enforcement. So it, I think it does matter to to parse those numbers out, but I, I think that takes us back to, and I, and I do want to move on to something re related, but maybe a little more fun at least. Um, in in that, um, I, I totally lost the thought. So <laughs> <laughs> happens, it happens. Don't do that. I'm getting old. That's um, rare. But so. Um, Gosh, where was I going? Because it was going to be good. You're talking about gun death statistics and, um, you know, uh, oh, talking yeah. about it, it uh, goes, you know, determining it goes back fitness to, to vote, fitness to drive. The, the, it, it, it is worth mentioning that, you know, we've never not had ready access to private firearms ownership in this country since before our founding since before yes. the signing of our declaration, since, since yeah, before since our constitution. A long time before our founding. 
Um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned going to school with with people who had rifle racks in in their trucks. You know, as did I. I don't think they could have the rifles in them at the point at that point that I was at school. But they at least where I was at. Uh, but the, the racks were there. I mean, you knew what was what was going on. Um, yeah. And let's be honest, it was probably under the bench in the truck. Um, if it, if <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in the window. Too, but, but we did, I'm not I mean, endorsing this. Band, you don't but. you don't have to be a genius researcher to to find pictures and data of kids being taught marksmanship in school, not pellet guns, not not air rifles yeah. with, with rifles. Um, you know, like we've just always had ready access to firearms. The, the AR-15 is not a new firearm. Scott Colin will know the exact year that I'm 100% certain that that rifle was designed. Oh, I'm going to blow that. Oh, geez. It's in the 50s. Since I could I go look at my plaque. It's been, it's, it's been around. It's in the 50s. It's not well, new. Well, the AR-10 was designed first, and then yeah. the AR-15 it's, it's, uh, with Sullivan, he yeah. helps donor, and that, that was designed a little bit later. We're talking between Armalite, which is what the AR stands for, not assault rifle. Assault rifle is an engineering term that doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, and between Armalite and Cadillac Gage, uh, yeah, we're talking 50s but, and 60s. But the but the rash of, of gun violence and the angry young male shooter and the mass shooting in particular. And again, I start to take some issue with that. Um, so, some of these uh, news agencies and gun control groups that report mass shootings play real fast and loose with the term mass shooting. And there's things they count that if the event were described to you, you would not count. So say a drug deal gone bad that results in three people being shot, but it's on or near a school campus. They'll report right. that as a mass shooting. That event is well, not that event Obama is not what you picture. Changed the way they categorize that, so they actually changed the accounting. Uh, the, the, not, I'm not calling it crooked or, or, or bad, but the statistical calculation for a mass shooting did change during the Obama administration, and that was not well. And I'm not saying they did it for good reason, bad reason. I honestly don't know why they did it, um, but it expanded the definition, and there wasn't a mathematical inclusion of an explanation, uh, right. A statistical reasoning why they did that. Um, so again, I'm not saying it might, I, I haven't looked at it. It might even be more accurate. It yeah. might even be a better way to account for those events, but yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, when you have, you know, 40 people getting shot up in Chicago, uh, every weekend, you know, or, or at least last weekend anyway, uh, 20 to 40, you'll get, you know, 15 to 20 getting shot in Detroit on a given weekend. Um, and I'm not, not hard numbers, but go look it up. It's alarming amounts of crime. A lot of people that get shot also dying, not the same number. So the number of people get shot, number of people die is different. Um, but you start looking at those types of events and they are very common, but if you look at them, they're very common in very specific small areas, right? Very specific small areas. And going back to what you said about kids and guns, you know, how do kids, how are they getting exposed to these powerful objects. I mean, I, uh, you know, if, if people, I, I'm a, fa a firm believer, and I don't think I've told you this, but I'm a firm believer in the theory that if people, gun owners themselves, treated guns with the same respect that they treated a plugged in circular saw, okay, with no guard on the blade, if they just eat, just eat zeroed out that respect level, same for both, gun accidents would plummet, yeah. right? So, so, so you've got how to, but how are kids, how are people learning about firearms? I, you know, and again, I'm, you and I, we both played video games. I'm not using them as a scapegoat or whatever, but how are kids exposing, being exposed and to and ideating uh, firearms? It's video games. It's, it's movies and TV shows. And I'm, I'm not 
saying they're bad. I mean, you know, they're not, I'm not saying they're turning people into, uh, you know, into serial killers, but is the due respect is the carefulness uh, is the, Hey, you need to go get a parent. Like if you're a kid, you don't need to be around that thing. Go get a parent. I don't care if your friend who you want to impress, you might think it's cool to play around with it. No, there's nothing cool about it. Go find an adult. Uh, there's none of that messaging present <laughs> in any of these mediums yeah. where kids are getting exposed. They they are learning how to ostensibly how to 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 operate them. You know, it's very different. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know. But the the I, point I, is that the that the the I, I understand the draw. I, I understand. Um, that that the guns make an the the people want to do something. I understand that. I understand that the guns make an easy target. But the the reality is the irrefutable reality is that the the ready access to guns vastly predates the problem, which yeah, just logically does. tells you that the problem doesn't lie in the firearms. And I and I get that. I do. I get the desire to say, well, let's just get rid of the firearm, and, and then they can't do this. Well, one. People find all kinds of ways to, to hurt people and kill people. All kinds of ways. Yeah. I mean, you again. Well, like the you, guy that drove through that uh, holiday parade uh, uh, last year. Well, right? or I mean, you know, you know from from your professional background, just how easy it is to find out how to make really effective bombs. Really effective. Oh yeah. Well, it, I mean, I would encourage every listener to pull up the FBI Uniform Crime Report, and they release it every year. It's usually a year in arrears. Um, uh, it might be two years. I'd have to. I'm a little, little rusty on the on, on how they the reporting mechanisms, but yeah, like the number one uh, you know tool for death is like a hammer every year, or a ball bat or something, or, or like it might be hands and feet. I think yeah, it might be hands and, hands and fists. It, it, depending on depending so, on and, how and, you and break guns it, guns aren't even in like yeah. the top five. Well, depending on how you break that down, guns as a whole are are higher on the list, but specifically when you look at at long guns, any type of long gun. Any type of rifle, not just AR-15s, um, they they do cause. I think the most recent stats are twenty twenty, Colin. Um, mm-hmm. They th- there there are more deaths caused by by, by with with unarmed, no weapons, just hands yeah. than long guns. So even if you could wave a wand and make all of the long guns disappear tomorrow, it it wouldn't be a signif- It wouldn't be a statistically significant change in gun deaths. Even even if it was zero sum, assuming that taking away the rifle doesn't mean they don't use some other firearm because yeah. far more firearm deaths are caused by handguns. Um and so and uh you know you, you just th- that wand doesn't exist. If you if you made it if, a, if it saves one life wand <laughs> if you made it yeah. illegal tomorrow, illegal, punishable by Pick your punishment to to own an AR-15 in this country, and if you if you did a grace period, if you did a quote unquote buyback period, if you followed the model of, of Australia, um, and you're someone who supports that, you would not like the outcome. This is not me threatening violence, but this is me telling you that this is not Australia, and that Americans are not Australians, and you will see some people. For fear of of punishment and otherwise, turn over their long guns. But you will not see it in the percentage of this percentages that you would like to see. You would not see it in any way like you saw in Australia. Well, what um, you do is you create a black market. You know, you you exactly what happened during Prohibition. You would take otherwise law-abiding people and turn them into felons. And when you take people and you take away, and we saw this with the war on drugs, which was an abject failure. 
Uh, and I am, again, I'm not advocating people go out and shoot up with heroin. That's not what I think. And you don't know what I think because I haven't told you. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but yeah, horrible failure because you're going to take otherwise law-abiding people who might want to smoke a spliff in their apartment. And now you've committed that violation three times. So now you're going to prison for life, right? Back when that three strikes law was out. So, yeah, no, are people not going to comply with it? Of course, uh, they're not going to comply with it. Is it unconstitutional? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just there, there's all kinds of stuff wrong with it, and yeah. it doesn't fix the problem. And, and well, oftentimes and, and, people who have that stance are also pro-abortion, and the two issues are inexorably linked. Well, and the thing, uh, the If it thing saves is, one life, 60 million kids so far, and like half of them, half of them uh, uh, have been African-American kids because Margaret Sanger is a vehement eugenicist and racist, well, uh, Margaret Sanger being the founder of Planned Parenthood. You can't say that, you know, we got to do it for the kiddies and we got to do it for gun crime. And then not have a very honest discussion about the 60 plus million babies that we have murdered since the advent of Roe v. Wade. So they're not separable. You can't divorce the two issues. So if life is important, right, because if you're going to trample someone's rights because of, quote, life, because of safety, well, you don't really mean that, do you? Well, the the argument that um, that I, I shared last week, and this is a bit of a go to for me, because, again, while I while I disagree the, the counterpoint on the abortion would be, oh, well, that's those aren't lives. And so you've got to have this whole other debate. you got to get into those details, and, and that's a whole other thing. But what I do think is very apropos and that I like is lots and lots of kids drown in backyard swimming pools every year. I don't know the exact stat. Sure, I don't yeah. know the exact stat offhand, but a lot. Um, a lot. It's, no, it's, it's, a, it's a much higher number than you I, think. I think it's, it's a leading cause of death uh, in children. Um, you know, up there, not yeah, the, the not three, the, I believe so. not the A. But nobody's calling for the backfilling of swimming pools. Nobody's saying your right to go to to float on a you know in a pool, on a pool in your backyard um, is is you know is you know it's it's not worth the death of these children. Nobody's saying if it will save one kid's life, backfill all the pools. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's yeah. saying your right to go for a swim out back is not as important as the lives of these small children. Why do you want children? Why do you love your pool more than children? Why, why do you want to swim more than you want to save lives? No one's saying that because inherently we all understand that life has risk. Because it's an unserious argument. It yeah. really is. It's an unserious and, and, statement and that's to take that is posed as being serious. And so, you know, there, there is part of, you know, one of the tricky things about being alive on the world at this, this moment in time is, uh, you know, with social media, with our 24-hour news sources, with everything coming at us, um, everything's doom and gloom. If it bleeds, it leads. And the reality is, oh, statistically, sure. we live at the safe, safest time in human history to be alive. Oh, wait, by orders of magnitude. Bar, oh, absolutely. No, this is, this is the time to be alive. And so, <laughs> so then the thing is, you know, um, the, the, I, 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 so I can see where somebody could arrive at an argument of, you won the lotto. You were born in the United States of America uh, in the twentieth mm -hmm. or twenty first century, depending. And yeah. uh, like, wh why do you even feel like you need firearms? Why do you even feel like you need something? Why do you even feel like you forget need? Why do you even feel like you want something uh, like an AR fifteen? In what situation would you ever need that? And this is my segue into for reasons that still boggle my mind a few years ago you moved to seattle <laughs> uh, and so I, you know uh, i did that i did that so so i went I or remind me when it was that you moved 
Is it nine, 2019? It was January. I will tell you, this is fun. So I retired from law enforcement. Uh, I did a decade in law enforcement. And um, uh, I was in a very, my second five years. I want to be clear so people in, don't think you're lying because you said you'd, earlier that you did five years of patrol and that was was accurate. You you left that and went to do some interagency law enforcement stuff. So, Correct. I was part of a regional task force uh, and I served with just, I mean, I was so fortunate because the the sergeants and people I worked with in road patrol, with very few exceptions, were just incredible, and I was so lucky to have them. I mean, I I just say that just from a practical perspective. I mean, I you know on patrol, I was um, I, I'm I'm almost I am I almost have a desire to name names just because people I, I just had such a great experience uh, in terms of the people with whom I served. It's a very difficult job. You go from scooping a dead toddler out of a pool to getting into a fight with a drunk, to maybe getting into a shooting on the next one and uh, getting investigated like you've committed a homicide, whatever. And you, you, you go between these various things, right, of highs and lows and whatever, or you get in some really great foot pursuit, you catch the guy, you find the gun that he threw in the bushes in the middle of the night. And then the not so cool part is you're sitting in your car until 7 a.m. watching the sun come up, knowing that you're you're back at work at two thirty that afternoon, yeah. and your report is not like a quarter done. Uh, so you're, you know, uh, but I, tr- I I had a amazing uh, people that I worked with in in uh, in patrol, <clears throat> and uh, and and they uh, they served their community with distinguishment and honor. Uh, in a way I was fortunate to be among them and I was not, I, I was, I, I, you know, I was one of the, uh, uh, I don't know. I just, it, I, everybody around me felt like superstars and I was, I was fortunate to be there. Um, and, uh, just trying to keep my head above water and not be a slug. And, uh, and, and it was, it was almost to a person, very few exceptions, uh, who I can feel my cold hands wrapping around the exceptions necks right now in my head. But uh, with uh, those those exceptions aside, I was super fortunate. Um, so I went from that. Prior to law enforcement, I worked in professional audio and video. You and I actually had had kind of uh, dabbled in those things many years prior. So we actually had overlap in the, some of the things and gigs uh-huh. that we did and worked. And um, <coughs> excuse me, that's great. Um, so you and I had some overlap there uh, in the pro audio and video realm, um, and uh, and then I worked at a uh, a large venue in the city in which I I, I worked uh, for pro audio and video, and then got sucked into law enforcement. Um, and then my second five years, I, I, a gentleman who was uh, um, he was the director of a, a forensic analysis uh, laboratory uh, that uh, if you've watched NCIS, the television show. Uh, it, it would have been the role of Polly, uh, the uh, a girl with uh, brightly colored hair uh, that worked in that lab. So I, I became I, I came into that role uh, with no one at the agency knowing about my prior uh, work and audio and video because just no one cares. Um, but I got pulled into a specialty unit. I got put in charge of that part of the unit. Uh, and growing that part. So I was the director of that forensic lab doing forensic analysis of uh, still images, video, so, and audio, and also enhancement me, of, let me, of those things. Yeah, let me put this in layman terms for everybody. For every um, like cop show, movie, spy thriller, the nerd behind a computer, when the cool person comes on screen and says to them, enhance, Colin enhanced. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's what he's talking about. I want to put a hammer on my computer. Colin right enhanced. Now. No. <laughs> that, that was yeah. the gig. I, I did have an easy button from Stanford on my desk <laughs> that did not work as intended. But uh, no, yeah, no, I was that guy. I, I worked with every major federal agency uh, with uh, three letters in their name. Um, there's no need to list them. Um, I worked with, I was on a regional task force and I was sworn with both my local agency. So I remained sworn with them and then became sworn with the, uh, the head uh, agency in, in that state. And, um, um, was just again, surrounded by people who were amazing and dedicated, intelligent, motivated, no slugs allowed. They were, and, and, and just great to be around. They're just great people. I mean, it's like winning the lottery twice. So I had an amazing patrol career and then got into this specialty unit that was quite elite. And um, <clears throat> in fact, I have a, a behind me, I uh, just got framed uh, one of my awards from the governor uh, that my unit received. Um, and I finally got it framed. Um, but no, I so I was put in charge of that. And then it was also my unit was also attached to what would be called a felony squad, um, which we would go out and. Uh, and I would occasionally go out with them. I was part of them um, as well. And I would go out, we would go out and look for and find and take into custody violent felons, like murderers on the run. I mean, if you weren't on the run for a capital crime, we probably didn't know your name. Um, and then another component of my unit did uh, uh, covert surveillance. Uh, now, Fourth Amendment abiding, none of this ridiculous, stupid stuff that I know a lot of the feds do. Um, no, we were we we were uh, uh, took the Fourth Amendment extremely seriously, but we used we leveraged some very high level technology to uh, to track and find people in real time to to track them down. And they were always violent people. It was always always uh, literal murders, kidnappers. I was part of the statewide. Uh, uh, I forget what the acronym is, but no, the statewide it, uh, kidnapping it is, squad. It is my duty um, at this point in the conversation of the host to remind you that whatever the story is, it needs to lead to Seattle. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I did all that. That was fun. <laughs> Great job. Great job, host. Um, <laughs> uh, but that was fun. I did that. I was on call uh, and did get called out 24-7, 365 for five years uh, with, with – um, Less than less than 15 days, not on call in five years. So to say that I worked too much was an understatement and I got a little burned out. Um, and w when you love what you do, it kind of happens. But I got recruited by a, a large tech company and and then moved out to Seattle. So I, I uh, that was the gig. <clears throat> um, and the guy, it's, it's been a great gig. To be honest, uh, the change of pace has been really nice. I moved into downtown Seattle. Um, I was in the South Lake Union area. South Lake Union, for those of you who are not from Seattle, that's where Sleepless in Seattle, the boat, uh, and many of the scenes were filmed. It was also, I believe it's either Lake Union or Lake Washington where uh, Tex, uh, I believe his name's Ch Tex Johnson, he did a barrel roll in a Boeing 707 uh, way back when during an air show, and that's kind of a famous thing. Um so uh, right in the heart of downtown Seattle, I was fortunate. I had a space needle view from my couch. I was very, I lucked into a, a very high end apartment there um, with my family, just kind of shoehorning us in there. Uh, walked to my work building. I moved there the end of January, literally right at the end of January. I think I got there February 1st of 2020. So the month of February was a very cool, unique, 
immersive experience and I had a great time. I actually, uh, you know, went into, uh, the, uh, uh, the actual office buildings there and kind of uh, uh, was able to become a part of the company culture and stuff, which is uh, um, rather peculiar. And, and uh, say, but it was good. I, and can't, it was I fun can't think of anywhere. It was interesting. I can't think of anywhere you fit in better than uh, <laughs> big, big tech Seattle company culture. <laughs> well, I, You're definitely on you the know, recruiting you, posters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> uh, no. Um, no, I, I was look. I I, uh, I get along with a bunch of different people, uh, all kinds of different people, and uh, and I had a I, I walked into a phenomenal team there and got along with all of them. Absolutely great. I got treated great. Um, I um, my first supervisor. <coughs> oh, excuse me. My first supervisor uh, there was a, a, a Marine Corps officer. Um, and uh and just a just a great guy and he uh, you know he did he had worked at you know he he looked uh and in the if you didn't you know listen to him speak he appeared to be a meathead um and he was absolutely a com- multiple combat tour veteran um uh had done some real stuff and uh but then he had spent several years at aws uh before then so uh you know also you know incredibly intelligent and nuanced and just just a great guy and funny so yeah so a month in seattle that was really fun and then seattle and now, did what seattle been, does. like if you've never been to seattle my wife and i we did a, a pack northwest vacation back before the kids it's probably our all-time favorite vacation uh, we we mm-hmm. spent most of our time in and around Portland, but we went ahead and ventured on up to Seattle, and we went right on through and and hit Vancouver a little bit, and we did mm-hmm. we did Seattle things. We did the we did the picture book things. We did most of our hiking uh, around Portland. We didn't do that so much in Seattle, and there is great hiking around there. But we saw the Space Needle. We yeah, didn't go is. up into and it. It was too freaking expensive. But we went and hit the public market. We saw the mm-hmm. uh, we Pike saw place? yeah we went and saw the uh, the OG Starbucks right there uh, on Pike. Yeah. Um, Heard a dude playing absolutely lovely music on a piano in the middle of the street. It's fantastic. Uh, we had some. We had some good coffee. We saw the. What is that? A. It's not the rock. Is it? That's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right there by the Space Needle, or is it? No, that's Mopop. That's yeah. Museum of uh, uh, Popular Music. So, Mopop, but, and it's a. It's but it's very cool building. So we yeah. had what I would say was a a pretty standard, a pretty typical Seattle experience. You, oh, yeah. you experienced a slightly different Seattle while you were there. Yeah, well, I, I, got, I got that Seattle for about a month, uh, <laughs> and it was just as low key and like softly, pacifistically uh, lefty, but like, but just low key about it. So for that first month, it was fantastic, actually. And I, I frankly, uh, my wife and I for that first month had actually thought about maybe uh, looking for a house to buy. Uh, now this is before prices were absolutely yeah. insane, um, but that's how much we were enamored Which, with it. We thought, you know what? It's pretty because the mountains. I mean, very few places are like that where you're on the water and on the top of our building, we could see past the Space Needle and you could see the Olympic Peninsula mountains as the sun would set over them yeah. every day. So and we, and we every do need day, to we, somehow. You know, we get done with work, work out, and literally yeah. watch this beautiful, like just cotton candy sunset over these snow-capped mountains yeah. just a thing that we and, did. and it's worth mentioning and I, I don't know how we've made it this far with, without mentioning it that you you married w- just well above your station just just oh, well above your station and uh, i bribe her eye doctor 
every year. Yeah, no, just it, make that so, prescription so bad. All that to say, like the the driving factor under all these things, like you hear Colin, you know, talk about being, you know, on call, you know, constantly for five years. Um, you know, the little lady's only going to put up with that for so long, and would have absolutely no problem re- replacing Colin, none whatsoever. Oh, for sure. Oh, dude, I am so expendable. Yeah, yeah we got uh, three during my last five years of law enforcement. Three of my five wedding anniversaries were absolutely interrupted, and I had to take her home yeah. before the main course. So, so this is a good move. You take her. You're in Seattle. Yeah, you got a, thought, you got a pretty right? view. You've got good coffee, good food, hiking. It's great. Food was this okay. is great. Mama's happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah. For a month, it was uh, pretty copacetic. And then. <laughs> and the, yeah. And then uh, COVID happened. Um, and uh, I don't even need to talk about all that. It's just the city itself uh, shut down. Um, be, you know, I, I was in the middle of, you know, a large metropolitan city. Couldn't was genuinely worried about getting food. Um, like I'm not talking getting my, my, uh, poke bowl takeout. I'm talking about not starving. Um, thankfully, uh, 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 you know, companies like Amazon, um, uh, and, and their supply chains were able to kind of like sustain things, especially at least in that area. Uh, cause there's no other way to get stuff. I mean, it's it just no other way. Well, but then really for, so, fortuitous for you was that kind of like this community co-op started right down the block from you yeah that was that was a fun you know it's a club i didn't join but i did visit yeah chop chaz was a 12 minute walk <laughs> from uh, uh from my apartment it was on capitol hill i was at the base of capitol hill so i was i was very close to i-5 and uh south lake union so you can go look that up on a map uh and so uh, yeah it's a time i i uh, timed it it's, went there twice. it's easy to lose track because news moves so fast now and we just yeah. get moved from urgent tragedy to it just just constant crisis after crisis after crisis. And so you got to go in your way back machine to early 2020 to remember that Chop Chaz was basically this multi-block um just um I, I don't even know I I I don't I don't, even, I don't know how they describe themselves. I don't I don't care, but it was basically, you know, this little autonomous section of Seattle uh, where all these people decided that they were their own entity. It was, it was anarchy. It was, I, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what it was, but it this was, was right up the street people, from you. A bunch of, no, I'll tell you what it was. It was a bunch of violent people. Uh, there were many unreported rapes there. Uh, as, as Tim pool talks about when he embedded with Occupy wall street way back when uh, threats were handed out daily for sexual assaults. Don't call the pigs. You're going to ruin everything. So uh, there were unfortunately many women that were brutally attacked while they were there. Uh, lots of violent dudes, pretty sure they had warrants and weren't legally allowed to own guns straight up. were building illegal short barrel AR 15s. Like they did not have pistol braces on them, brah. Okay. And I know that process with the ATF uh, they did was, not go through said process. There was at least <laughs> there was at least one murder, if not murders. Oh, there, um, there were a couple. Uh, the, they, they got they they classified some of them in a wonky way because they didn't technically happen in the official bounds of Chop Chaz. It was uh, just chaos and violence. Well, it's like nobody um, nobody dies at Disney World. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, never, right? Unless it's an alligator involved and they got a cop to it. No, but it was a very violent. I took I I went there once alone. 
uh, almost got robbed a couple times. You know, being in a plain clothes unit, working uh, uh, in plain clothes has its advantages. Um, <clears throat> and I had time to uh, kind of start looking the part up there. Um, uh, you know, buy enough flannel and you, you look like you're from there, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, no, I uh, but it was just uh, crazy. I like you once, couldn't almost get... got robbed, really violent. Uh, heard heard shots ringing out both times that we were there. Second time, took the wife because she wanted to see because the news was starting to try to spin it as a summer of love and right. whatever, and they were trying to bill it as things we knew it, it wasn't. Um, we And then, you know, during that time as well, we were watching our city burn. Uh, Black Lives Matter at the time was not a totally fraudulent organization that just existed to buy mansions for their leaders. Uh, it, it had something tangentially to do with this guy who ingested a lethal amount of, uh, of narcotics uh, and, and then uh, said he couldn't breathe. Um, talking about George Floyd, and I'm not making light of that incident. I, I was but about to say, he, like... The reason he passed away was because of the narcotics. Uh, the guy said he couldn't breathe when he was standing up before he ever got put in the car. I, I wish those cops would have conducted themselves differently, but... I, I was uh, about to say, I, 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 I do want to be real, real clear here. That was crap police work. That, that, was that might not oh, be yeah. why he's... All of those things were policy violations specifically prohibited by both the agencies I worked for for the very reasons that they did not jeopardize life, but they looked horrible and they alienated the public. And I am 100% aligned. I, I was not impaired in my job as a law enforcement officer by not being able to do those types of jerkhole things yeah. that those cops did. So I feel no pity or remorse when it comes to, you know, the, how the cops are viewed. They kind of made their own bed. They were doing the things that their agencies trained them to do. So I I'm, I'm frustrated that their agencies got to skate and the cops took the fall. Uh, there should have been some shared responsibility there, but George Floyd was a, um, a very violent individual and he had no qualms about, uh, uh, threatening to shoot, uh, the pregnant belly of what was that, his ex-girlfriend or something. Um, he was totes okay with that. Um, and, uh, he just, he overdosed. Uh, so that's what happened anyway. So, but that all went down. Um, and everybody was, you know, super angry about that and didn't wait for any of the facts to come out much like Michael Brown. Uh, you know, nobody wanted to wait. You know, if you want to find out what happened, look at the Obama DOJ report for what happened with Michael Brown and in in, uh, in in Missouri. Um, but yeah, BLM happened, and the whole city burned. I, we watched this entire beautiful city uh, just engulfed in smoke uh, day and night. Uh, we watched people, violent people, who were not from there, so they didn't even live there. They were they. I know they would walk by our building every night, yeah. vandalizing our building, which was. I mean, you know, I don't know what you got to do to get a pane of glass that's an inch thick and I'm sure tempered to shatter uh, how many bricks you got to throw at it. But they found that number and exceeded it. Uh, cars got vandalized in our underground parking. Uh, just, I mean, you know, good small businesses got smoked. They would, I mean, just destroyed, uh, like literally looked like Mogadishu destroyed. We would walk through. There were two different Saturdays where the wife and I would walk through and just, I mean, no cameras, no whatever, just cleaning stuff up and like trying to like board stuff, like, like trying to find like specifically small businesses. But all the places you got food, the Whole Foods and all these other, you know, beautiful little Japanese groceries just got destroyed. Well, and, and, and um, so my, my tie in <clears throat> here, you know, because we kind of segued off of, of the firearms talk is that this area. Uh, and 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 I kind of want your take because you since you were physically in it, but as I understand it, like the the people that were in this this kind of ill-defined zone, 
um, it wasn't limited to people who wanted to be there. There were there were buildings, there were homes there that were encompassed in this area, and these people who were participating in this action were setting up barricades at entryways into this area. Uh, law mm-hmm. enforcement couldn't get in. EMS couldn't get in. Five, they took custody yeah. of a law enforcement station away from the police. And so imagine, <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're living in <laughs> – I mean, this is – people who want anarchy, this is, this is what happens. The problem is anarchy doesn't mean everybody's on their best behavior and they just figure it out. This is why you can't go all the way – like, the political spectrum isn't left and right. It's, it's not left at one end and right at the other. The political spectrum is actually from zero to 100 with anarchy being at one end and tyranny being at the other. And the trick that yeah. our founders were trying to figure out is how do we, where do we find, how do we find just enough government to protect rights and not trample them? And let's lock it down right there. And if you're in yeah. agreement with them, you're, you're actually a centrist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, but so the, it, the, Anarchy That's always looks this way. Yeah. The, the, the biggest gun is in charge. Anarchy always looks that way. It's It always resorts in warlords. So imagine you're this person who you just find yourself living in this zone. And the cops aren't coming. Fire not coming. EMS not coming. Nope. You are at 100% at the will of these people. Whether or not you you get to eat, get to live, get to... Uh, whatever. Nobody else is coming. It's on. It's yeah. it's on you. Mm-hmm. So that, that yeah. that's a very extreme scenario. But that was America. That was modern day America. And yeah, it, it'd be a nice time to own a firearm like an AR-15 if you were stuck in that in in that space and and didn't. Oh yeah, and, crowds and of hundreds of angry people that wanted to physically hurt you. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's, take all your stuff. So too. There, there's which you know private property rights being very important to, to individual liberty yeah. as well. So if they take all of say if you have a little bit of food and a little bit of clean water and they take all that, uh, they might have just killed you. I don't know, you don't know. You can't yeah. get any food and water. You're you're dead. So it's just so funny you know, to me that I'm, of all the places you could have moved oh, in the country dude. at that time, <laughs> it was Seattle. <laughs> I hopped right in. I, I hopped right into the frying pan. So, yeah, it was horrible. And it, it continued that way. It wasn't getting any better. Um, they were shutting down highways for extended periods of time. The cops were actually uh, up there letting them. Like, they were actually – cops were actually doing roadblocks so that they could shut down high, – the, pro- the, quote, protesters could shut down highways and just ruin the infrastructure. Uh, they shut down I, – I don't know if they shut down the port or ports. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, I mean, anarchy is a, a word that most people don't understand. But anarchy is might makes right. So it's just your high school bully. Imagine him as your high school principal now. He's not just the bully. He's the principal. He makes all the decisions because Mike makes right. So that's what was, uh, unfortunately, that was what was allowed to happen. Uh, And the moment that it stopped was when uh, they went up to Mayor Jenny Durkan's house. And then uh, the, uh, I know, I know cuss words are out. I've done a pretty good job so far. But yeah, the the garbage stopped literally the day after that they went to her house because she's like, wait a minute, I'm a super ultra far lefty America hater just like you guys. Why are you at my house trying to burn my house down? And then and then Chop Chaz was shut down in, I believe, a week. Well, you know, Churchill nailed it when he said appeasement is hoping the alligator eats you last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the Uh, that's the problem with utopian pretending that people are, you know, innately good. Um Good luck with that. Yeah, and that's 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 the problem with with critical theory. That's the problem with intersectionality is 
there's always going to be a bigger victim. They just haven't, they maybe just haven't gotten to you on the list yet. Yeah. You, well, you know, I've been following critical theory for over a decade now and, um, and critical theory, straight up Marxist, uh, Derek Bell, uh, professor Derek Bell, an admitted uh, mentor of Obama's, um, uh, was one of the progenitors for uh, uh, critical race theory. And, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was rejected, you know, critical theory is a not well-loved theory in legal circles and, uh, and critical race theory is even less well-loved. It's just, it's not a, a, a well-supported theory. And what it does is it promotes, um, uh, and it's, it's going to sound crazy, but read a few books on it. Uh, the books that the people who invented it wrote, I might add, I mean, we're not talking about some pundit on the right. Uh, they advocate uh, storytelling as a mechanism to further uh, a, a fictitious history uh, and cultural identity. Uh, so they encourage uh, the fictitious storytelling to promote an agenda. So, for example, if you're a kid in the inner city of Detroit and other kids are sharing their stories about how the cops hassled them, well, now it's cool to get hassled by cops. So you're incentivized and encouraged to make up a story about how the cops violated your rights to which they may have. I mean, I'm not endorsing, you know, Detroit law enforcement, but, um, uh, but yeah, that'd be crit critical race theory is an inherently divisive Marxist device. Uh, it is absolutely unabashedly Marxist. And again, and, and you can't divorce it from that. You know, uh, uh you know, uh, the communist manifesto is a powerful book. Uh, it's important for people to read, uh, <clears throat> uh, all the stuff that, that Marx put forth and all the stuff that flowed from that. Uh, and, and I know you have, well, Hey, listen, um, it's, it's quality fantasy writing. I understand the appeal. I don't even know if I'd it, say that, but yeah. It, it sounds it <laughs> you know, Karl sounds, Marx being a garbage human being himself, you know, well, totally uh, leveraging all of, all the people around him and all his family members, listen, stealing and weaseling money away from them and dying broke. Listen, communism uh, and in debt. Communism sounds great on paper. And if you don't agree with me, then you have to argue with the success of the Star Trek franchise. Because the entire yeah, right. Star, it's, you know, like, and I've been a Star Trek fan, but part of it is, you know, basically, you know, Earth advanced because we, you know, after, you know, a nuclear war, we've, we finally arrived at communism and everybody's nice and we don't need money anymore and everybody just does what they want to do to better everything and we're, we're all fine. And we don't have to worry about actually manufacturing anything because we have replicators. So <laughs> nobody needs goods and services anymore. Um, it, it sounds good on people, paper where, where it's wrong, where it's always been wrong, where it will always be wrong is it just lacks an understanding of human nature, period. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no there's no better way to boil it down than that. It is it is. I wouldn't even say it lacks. It is willfully ignorant of the totality of human nature and human history. Yep. Willfully ignorant, and that's and that ignorance is dangerous. So uh, when you talk to people about it, um, yeah, no one, you know, and it's funny because you know many of these communists uh, they live pretty conservatively with their own money. So when you start talking about people about collectivism, and uh, you know, if you broke it down for a kindergarten class. Uh, no one would agree to it after a single day. They'd be like, nope, done, opting out, right? Except for maybe one or two kids, the vast majority of them are going to have their assets redistributed. And then you're in this whole other fun discussion of, well, you know, Johnny didn't get any ice cream today, so he gets a bite of yours. Well, but my mom gave me that ice cream. No, no, your mom gave you our ice cream. Congrats. Right? How long does that last? Now, Not long. Now Not that long. we've, uh, you know, we're coming up on the two-hour mark and we've covered just all the fun topics here on the Solid 7 Podcast this week, which, you know, I mean – Last last episode was just a laugh a minute. So you know this was no this was good. 
uh, yeah. <laughs> to chase that with. Well, Jason's funnier I do, than I am. This I mean, is a, well, no, I'm I'm being sarcastic because we got pretty deep and heavy with the. You know, we we were looking at uh, Texas more more from the uh, vantage point of you know, parents of young children last week, and it was it's tough. It's tough. I get it. I want to do I want to do something too. Oh, it's but just a huge. You, it's an unspeakable yeah. tragedy. But uh, you know, if uh, if we can close with a fun thought on Marxism and Marxists, it's reported that. Um, AOC would would now like to sell her Tesla, <laughs> and you know because Elon, and that to me is just Chef's kiss. And hand to God, if I had the funds and a way to get a hold of her, I'd buy that thing in a heartbeat right now. For me to 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 buy, I would love nothing more. I don't even know what model. I think maybe she's got a Model Three. I don't care. Uh, to to, to own to own the Tesla that AOC bought with uh, her salary from my tax dollars, or I'm sure it, it, what at this point are likely absorbent speaking fees, um, to, to buy that at a discount because she doesn't like Elon, who very well is hey. Call balls and strikes. Elon does everything right, but he's the closest thing to Tony Stark we've got, and uh, I, I would love oh, to, I, I would love to own that automobile. I just I absolutely would. I don't know what I would do with it. I wouldn't want to. I would want to preserve it. I definitely would want her to sign it, which she would refuse to do. No, uh, I, but I would want dude, her to sign I'd, it. Uh, I'd go to someplace that wraps vehicles. I'd put a, a Shibu Inu on the hood. The whole hood would be a, a Shibu Inu. And uh, I'd go, I don't know what the phrasing would be, but the, the tail end of the car would have some play off of her tax, the, the rich uh, dress. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what it would be, but it'd be in that same style of riding. And I'd drive it around with a, a big smile on my face. No, no problem. <laughs> yeah, no I agree. Problem. I would. I don't know what I would do to get that car, but uh, yeah, what she really should do is give it away. But she doesn't believe what she says, so uh, no, no. yeah, she's going to try to sell it. She's going to sell it on the free yeah, market, you're not, right? You're not selling, she's going to do. You're not selling your car. You're selling our car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh yeah. But Keys she's not. A, she's not a socialist. She's a democratic socialist. Totally different. You throw that democratic. Oh on yeah, it's totally different. So, yeah, yeah. Well, just dude, like the. We're, yeah. we're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're we're up against it, and we're both uh, we both lean towards uh, towards the verbose. <laughs> when I uh, told my wife uh, that you were coming on the podcast, she goes, "Oh, so this episode will be six hours." <laughs> so in de- Prove her wrong. in deference to oh. to my wife and the listeners, we'll we'll call it quits. But this is the the first, certainly not the last. Thank you for coming on for sharing your expertise. It's been fun. We'll hit on some lighter topics. We'll, we'll I don't know. We'll, we'll talk motor oil and watches next time. There's an episode. Yeah, we'll talk high temperature, high shear. Yeah. Uh, There's an ep- yeah, absolutely. There's an episode the folks want to turn into. Just uh, just <laughs> sit on the edge of your seat with bated breath and wait for my watches and motor oil episode with Colin. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's talk about mechanical watches and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, you know and triple level coaxial escapements and high temperature, high shear viscosity versus timing chain wear. Oh, for sure. Well, we yeah, we could definitely do that. Uh, and then uh, audio style stuff. Don't get me started I, on on uh, tubes and music. Gosh. And uh, I went to the uh, the uh, uh, Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra. Uh, so there's that's. <laughs> region of texas i'm in are close to it and i uh, saw host the planets um uh two weekends ago and uh, uh along with uh, uh, some other uh, uh pieces by bach and just stunning all right the so full orchestra the full bow so so next incredible. time next time colin is coming folks we're going to talk motor oil we're going to talk not smart watches not tech we're going to talk 
old school <laughs> mechanical watches. And we're going to talk classical music. And you guys, I, you just don't want to miss it. I'll tell you right now, it's just going to be can't miss podcasting. That's we give the people what they want here at the the South Seven podcast, and oh my God, this hasn't been. Ed- I hope I didn't drag the. I was about to say this hasn't been edited or published, and I can already physically hear my play count dropping right, <laughs> right now. I'm sorry, man. But I enjoyed it, and that's the whole reason that, that I do this. So, but for real, dude, thank, oh, thanks for coming back. on. We'll we'll definitely do it again, and uh, we'll definitely. I'm gonna t- right now. No gun. Next time, no no gun talk. Well, <laughs> there's plenty of other Correct. things. Agreed. But it's just it's out there right now, and you, you couldn't have a, a legit subject matter matter expert on and and not address some of that stuff. So hopefully there was some value in it. If not, I don't know. Just yell at your phone and throw it, or 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 don't. Uh, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. Listen, WWC yeah, argue with people on the internet. That always fixes things. That makes you feel better. Listen, sure, right? If you're if you're still <laughs> listening at this point in the episode. Um, this stuff probably didn't bother you to begin with, but if it did, listen, here's what's coming down the pike, right? There's tons of entertainment, right? There's a dearth of solid entertainment right now. So we're, we're going to talk Marvel shows and Star Wars shows. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. WWDC is coming up. We'll talk. We'll do some more Apple fanboy stuff. The usual, the the usual solid sevenness. It's it's coming. It's it's fine. But it's oh, yeah. it's we're going to talk M1, M2 processors. Yeah. Uh, I did just see Top Gun, but we can't talk about that because we're up against the. Check, we're up against check this it, out. But, check uh, this out. Hopefully, this doesn't throw, fall through because I'm saying it right now. Now, I'm a little annoyed because I should have. I'm not going to get into into like inside family issues, but but I well, never mind. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody I would love to have on on the podcast uh, to discuss that discuss that, and it just can't work. But. Um, it's just uh, you know somebody who who was an F eighteen pilot, but it, for whatever reason it can't happen. But yeah. I do have a guest coming on next week, who is an Air Force pilot, and we are one hundred percent going to be Tom. Uh, do not warn you right now. Spoiler alerts. I'm we're going in on Top Gun Maverick next week's episode with with an actual uh, Air Force pilot. It, it's going to be a blast. So uh, you know. More, more of the usual uh, fun and silliness next week uh, for sure. But I'm, I'm excited about to just work that out today uh, to, to have him on. So uh, cool. that, that's coming some other stuff. But appreciate you coming on, Colin. Of course, uh, I, I've, I'm trying to get in the groove, and I, I forgot it last episode. But uh, after Josh abandoned me, a good buddy of mine and yours, who was just <laughs> there to visit you, uh, the one and only uh, Art Pipok, audio engineer extraordinaire, has stepped in and uh, is editing these episodes for us, and uh, that's why they sound so good. So thanks, as always, to Art. Uh, visit the website, uh, you know, solid7podcast.com, solid7podcast.com. Latest episodes are always there. Uh, links to our our affiliates, ways to support the podcast, good causes, all that stuff's there. You can find all our social media on there. Uh, links to Patreon if you'd like to become a supporter, get yourself a better than average uh, coffee mug. All that stuff's right there on the podcast. And if you don't want to do any of that, if you would just take a moment, rate the podcast, throw us a thumbs up, the old five stars, a little subscribe, a little follow, all that stuff costs you nothing but a little bit of time and really helps get the podcast out there. So we appreciate all that. Colin, love you, brother. Listener, love you guys. And uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flip. (laughs) 